0: Hey, this is Lucky from A Grim Podcast, A Perilous Adventure. The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. For more podcasts like this, please visit ProfessionalCasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash Professional Casual for fresh new swag. A huge shout out to our sponsor, Bearded BeardedDragonGames.online. Also, a special thanks to Bilt for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. And we, some might say, are live. Guess what? It's Thursday night. So that means some weeks uh, it's time for wait. The Live the Wild, your Marvel Crisis Protocol blog. Uh, we have a couple of great people here tonight. Uh, I am joined by one Mister Dan Cole, as well as Hi. one Mister Sir Michael Tisdale of adeptitus fame. Welcome, Mike. Just sir, just sir will do. Just Sir, J- not even Sir Tisdale or Sir Michael. Just Sir. Sir, that'll that'll do. All right, you got it, boss man. Enough Sir night eye. will do. We'll we'll go with that. Okay. I oh, really appreciate that. So, if you are, are unfamiliar with Mike, Mike is one of the. Vast team over at Adepticon, as well as um, someone that helped me unbox uh, a handful of boxes for the new uh, set for My Hero Academia, which we are starting to get into on this channel as well. If you're into that, it's a part of the universes system um, made by new universes and made by Jasco Games, but Jasco Games does the My Hero portion of it. Um, a real quick shout out to Frontline Gaming as they're sponsoring the network and the podcast. So if you are looking for mats, terrain, minis, or more, you can do so at Frontline Gaming using the link in the show notes or in the Twitch chat. All right. So tonight we're going to be going over a bunch of things about running events. We are kind of halfway through the year. We're about to enter the second half of the year for cons. The a handful of huge ones have already happened, including Adepticon in March. And throughout the rest of the year, we have Everwinter, NashCon, Warfare Weekend, uh, Second Wind, Nova, just there's pretty much something every month between here and year's end. Um, So to just put a little bit more context into actually what it takes to run um, one of these events at a con or run a con itself, uh, Mike is an incredibly experienced person seeing um, kind of the event and con experience uh, at multiple different levels and has a lot of actually very unique insight into kind of how a lot of that ends up being formatted. but. Before we get into the, the, the main meat, the horseshoe, if you will, of the episode, the first thing that I'd like to go over is uh, you know, the old uh, good old game played games played and happy thoughts.
1: Dan is so lost at the horseshoe reference it's kind of fantastic.
0: It is a yeah, uh, completely: Is it a delicacy amongst all of Illinois or just in particular areas of Illinois? As far as I know, it's just central Illinois. And, and for those that might not be aware, what is a horseshoe?
1: It is uh, an incredible delicacy. It is usually some sort of Texas toast with some sort of fried chicken or uh, hamburger patty on top. Then you put a layer of fries and then you cover the whole thing with cheese sauce. Then you eat it and you go to sleep for about six to 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You had me a cheese sauce. Oh, it's just, it's caked with cheese sauce. It's ridiculous.
0: Um, it, I So nice. we got into that conversation initially talking about the garbage plates out of Rochester, uh, which you oh, know, yeah. just has it's a bunch so of stuff good. on it. And a horseshoe is very much like a garbage plate without all of the extra junk on there. Honestly, it has the the fundamentals of some thick toast, some either beef or chicken, and then uh, cheese sauce and fries. And those are honestly what I'm there for. Everything else is just ancillary. So it's a diet version of a garbage plate yes i don't i don't know if those are words that really should be said but yes that is you know technically accurate uh while missing a lot most of it is roughage so it's you know (laughs) get all those onions out of here i don't need all of that simple sugar you know clogging up my calorie counter but right you're gonna get that from the onions Uh listen it's made of sugar dan that if you remove the onions (laughs) you remove sugar it's a net gain That is true. But as far as uh, oh, hobby, stuff, something
1: tells me Dan doesn't
0: believe you. <laughs> if he said technically true, honestly, he's pretty much a scientist. So I'll, I'll take it. That's, that's, that's a win. But as far as uh, hobby stuff that y'all have hobbied this week, is there anything that you have hobby rot or hobby brought to the hobby table?
2: Yo, I've got hobby and games like more than one to talk about. It's crazy.
0: All right, we'll go for it. Shoot the whoop. That's a lot for me,
2: right? Uh, so this past Monday, I was on hobby Hangout with Taylor. It was oh, awesome. Yeah. It was super fun right here. Uh, he does every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, And I was able to join him this week. And I got two hours of work done on Gwenpool, which got her to very much tabletop standard and a little beyond. I just want to do a little bit more with her. But it I, was nice to, I was like, I'm just going to focus on one model the whole time, which is not how I usually paint. Uh, cause it's like, I do one color and I want to go to this and that, whatever. But, um, it, it was, it was super fun. It was, It's a fantastic model. I mean, it's, it's got
0: Jeff. So what else do you want? Gwenpool is probably one of my favorite models to have on the table. I I like her in most affiliations. I love her in criminal syndicate, mm. especially under new Modoc. like really, really enjoy yes. her a lot. Yeah. She seems really solid. One thing I forgot um, to mention, for games. Oh, super quick. One thing I forgot to mention, uh, now that you've mentioned the hobby hangout, that this is also kind of a unique experience as this is the first time on Wait to Die, Roll the Wild, everyone but me has been on the hobby hangout. So it's, you know, you guys are part of an no. exclusive club that, you know, some just don't get invited to. I mean, you
2: were early on with just voice. Just chatting with Taylor while he
1: was doing
0: stuff. Oh, that's fair. I, yeah, I did do that a handful of times.
1: Be the first, you were also supposed to be the first painting guest, from what Taylor told mm. me. And you canceled multiple times.
0: I have, I've, I've barely true. been booked. I can't cancel when I haven't been booked. But <laughs> you did cancel, and I am aware of that. One time I did. That is true. Taylor has
1: been heartbroken since. He doesn't know what he did to upset his <laughs> PCN daddy
0: there was one time yep, in the regular right stream chat where you gave him a little bit of a guff and he was like does tisdale hate me and i was like yeah probably <laughs> he's like do you know what i did and i was like when he's over it he'll talk to you about it and he got real, <laughs> real worried about it but sorry dan what did you got to play a game this week as well
2: Yeah, i got to play a game of mcp and i also got to play a game of shatterpoint
0: Oh, dope! Uh, you did a demo, right? At, at BD for uh, which is uh, Bearded Dragon Games Online. That's the abbreviated version of it. Um, for some Shatterpoint.
2: Yeah, I thought it was going to be a demo, uh, but the guy I was playing against his name was Ryan. He like he said he read through the rule book and he watched a few videos, um, and he really had a solid idea of what was going on. Um, so we were kind of picking some things up together. Um, I was really impressed when he. I for uh, Owen Bo-Katan, uh activated, and she was able to move one of the Mandalorians. That he understood that it was a character in the unit, and that the whole unit that got to do a, a jump there. Um, and I was like, "All right." So he definitely did some homework here. So it wasn't like a teaching game, which was nice because I was like, "I've got two games under my belt," and he's like, "Well, that's well more than I've got." Uh, it was a good time. He won in two struggles, but it was it, it's still fun.
0: Yeah. Well, dope. And then you and I played a game on Tuesday as well on, uh, oh, yeah, the power phase. Uh, Yeah, that was a blast. And you got to uh, pilot uh, Gwenpool for the first time. How did that go?
2: Gwenpool with A-Force. She was awesome. Uh, I tried something. I wanted to test her out. So I went really risky and had her move up right up to the middle of the board, turn one, uh, to see how well she could tank uh, attacks from your that flank and she managed to to tank she did tank it survived and scored a couple points and it was i was pretty impressed with her her uh, um uh this towards target is that what the attack is called her bazooka attack is awesome only four power for eight dice at range four was great Mm -hmm. auto incinerate like it's so good Uh, and the plot armor too really well just
0: like the re-rolls and the plot armor just keep her alive so i i think i flung like three characters into her round one and she she did i don't think she spent for re-rolls in that first volley no
2: not she didn't need i think often i rolled skulls anyway that i couldn't re-roll but yeah she she made it without that i think sherry might have helped her once or twice with upgrades but she had access to a fair bit of rerolls over there, but still it was a nice combo uh on that side of the side of the board. Those two did work together.
0: Is there any other affiliation uh, it, that yeah. you've been wanting to try her out in outside A Force?
2: Um, I like her with affiliations that give her power because she is a little power hungry. Uh, with this end towards target and um uh the, the gutter hop, her place. Yes. She wants to be doing all the time and she rerolls are always good. So, like uh wanna try her some I don't know the first thing that comes to mind is in humans or brotherhood to get more power, but uh Steve Avengers, of course, as always would be a good one too to make her um superpowers less
0: she has just the, least the one, gutter. right? Yeah, the gutter space yeah, I don't it would only work on the on her hop, but still but still that is only like two that. power and it's range three. pretty much spider placing yourself around at that point too
2: yeah so she she was really fun which was nice because she was one that it was like i'll get the box there's not characters i really have strong feelings about but it's like i like one pool now she's good
0: dope how about you mr tisdale i know you've probably been uh just running and gunning with uh some shatterpoint terrain right or have you had chance to hobby other stuff as well
1: uh just a quick question for Dan. Didn't you get to play She-Hulk twice in that game? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that game got uh, off the rails with chat where uh, they. Was <laughs> it Ben and Alyssa said, How, what do we have to do to get She-Hulk back on the table after Tim K. Oder?" and, and they followed through. So she came back for the last round of the game. Uh, it was pretty hilarious.
0: That I, you know, yep, I, uh, I wasn't expecting that to actually happen. And, uh, you know, there's one thing that they have taught me, and it is if you provide a challenge, they will see that challenge in, in pretty much any circumstance. Um, and mm-hmm. real quick, speaking of, uh, just a massive thank you to Ben and Alyssa uh, for helping us out at the Atlantic City Open, uh, the Married Couple Protocol. You yeah. can find them on uh, YouTube. Uh, super great people and very good community members as well. So thank you guys. But yeah, sorry, Tisdale, you were saying? Oh, that's all right. I brought it up.
1: Um, So we have, we've been building a ton of Shatterpoint terrain. So I think we have about 16 tables finished already for Gen Con. We have base coats down on them. And in a couple of weeks, no, about a month, We'll be finishing up the all the work on it, getting them wrapped up, seal coated, and in bins to take over to Gen Con. So we'll have 16 to 20 tables finished for that time, uh, and then we'll have to finish probably 20 or 30 more for Adepticon.
0: Now, how about games played? Have you been able to actually play anything this week or in recent, recent history? You hit up a bunch of My Hero Academia uh, pre-release events at least, right?
1: Oh, that's true. I, I have played some. Uh, I've played in three pre releases for My Hero, uh, and I've won all three of them. So I'm doing great there. But I haven't played a miniatures game in a while. Uh, it's, I'm kind of jonesing for it. I'd like to get back playing some MCP or some Shatterpoint. So, yeah. But I did build a Modoc Scientist Supreme, and he's
0: primed. All right. So I'm getting ready to paint him. Hey sentinel primed or modok primed listen i'm all about it uh but sorcerer uh, i do that every time scientist supreme modok might be one of my favorite models probably currently my favorite affiliation leader um i I love him a lot i love all of the shtick better than Magneto? better yes it is a character that exists in the game that's not magneto so chances are he kind of is a peg above at least just kidding that's not true um but yes i do like him more than more than uh Magneto. Though Magneto, that uh, hurts. I'm a huge fan of in general. I mean, the the LEDs are always Magneto Purple here in the background. Um and uh, you know, I I also think that, you know, he may have been right. I just don't have the t-shirt to show it. That's all.
1: I have a t-shirt and a water bottle to show it, so I'm o- a fake fan. Officially licensed? Sure. Name three <laughs> of his
2: songs, Tim.
0: Uh Shred metal, uh, Wolverine. Go over there and uh, bow to my will. X Men, welcome to die. That's four. Always oh, it was off the okay, album. Die. It was off the album. Welcome to die. But wow.
2: what's the one that? What's the soundbite that Tisdale always plays
0: when, when you join stream? That's what I was trying to remember. I can't. Uh, does how does it go? Get, I, I like because it it's hear. been replaced with the All Might one. I still play the Magneto one. What? What does it say?
1: You are helpless against my power,
0: x That's it. That's yeah. it. Come on. Listen and to that.
1: that was disappointing. I'm
2: disappointed in myself for not remembering that one. How much like, I could hear it. I could hear town? the voice. Just couldn't remember the words. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> but and I guess that's a kind of a perfect segue um, into kind of one of the main things I want to talk about tonight. So um tisdale you're part of kind of a a team or at least a a group of like-minded people that provide a lot of terrain for a lot of different events even outside of adepticon adepticon honestly and straightforwardly kind of the gold star as far as number one spectacle and and a number of other things but really uh the quality of the terrain that's put on the table and the abundance of the terrain that's put on the table i know in in trying to prepare for other events and, and cons and things like that it's always kind of a scramble of a lot of sourcing and getting uh, some really kind of poorly put together stuff to have enough stuff on every table. But when asked by somebody, Hey, do you have enough for like an adepticon table though? I'm like, Oh geez, I'm like doing math in my head to make sure that there's like possibly enough really high quality stuff to be able to put on a table like that. And it's really kind of at another level, but you guys provide that terrain to kind of a number of places like around you guys. Right.
1: Yeah. So we've decided that, and we, we started this a couple of years ago that, you know, we, we, the, the terrain team works on this for a very, very long time. They're an extremely talented group of individuals. So the, the terrain we put on in Adepticon has always been very, very high quality so that our attendees get to play on cool surfaces with good terrain, good mats and things like that. But we were having a discussion a few years ago and, it just kind of sits the rest of the year, which is kind of a shame because there are some events that that struggle a little bit to get that sort of terrain put together. So we've had a couple events reach out and we have uh, supplied terrain for them for Legion, MCP, 40K, Age of Sigmar, um, uh, Shatterpoint going forward. You know, there's a number of game systems we've done that for and um, we're doing it with so this year we're doing it with Gen con, Nashcon. Is there something in September? I thought there was one in September. Maybe I'm wrong, but there is uh, second wind in October. We're doing Warfare weekend. Um, and I'm probably forgetting some, but they're they're just kind of regional conventions here that we don't mind helping out, driving our stuff there and and making sure the the attendees that go to those events have good terrain and and we can help those events out and take one of the big pressures of running a miniature event off of the minds of those uh organizers that's awesome
0: yeah for real and i mean and and mike's understating this uh, i think a little bit because the adepticon terrain team like works all year round to get this stuff up and running when you're talking about putting together 16 tables uh in any amount of time let alone a year is is pretty aggressive and especially to the quality that 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 team puts out is is well we
1: got 16 done done in two months is what it took us to assemble (laughs) right and build them and finish two months and and like i said the the guys that work on the terrain team are incredibly talented and we're very very fortunate to have them come in and do that sort of work and they're all over the country we send some stuff out to those guys and they work on it in their off time and and stuff like that we're like i said we are very very fortunate to have people that are willing to do that sort of work for us uh year round
0: and then to be willing to share that too uh with a bunch of smaller and larger conventions, gen Con is certainly not a small convention but uh growing conventions like nashcon right that that are they just started this panel well, this is year three for them or year two i think
1: uh well, Nashcon's been going on a while, but I think this is your two for MCP at Nashcon. Um, that's mm. the, though, um, Hank is, and Hank is kind of the de facto leader of AdeptCon, if anybody doesn't know. He has always been about growing a community and, and making sure people have good experiences when they go to events. And that is number one on our priority list. So anything we can do to help out events we feel it's kind of, you know, something we should be doing to help grow a hobby, to help grow communities and and make sh- make sure that attendees have good times at these events.
0: And I think that shows pretty heavily when you go to a convention like Adepticon, that that really the emphasis is on the attendee experience. Um, things are for the most part. Well, I mean, not even for the most part, things are incredibly streamlined. Food is accessible and right there. Tables are set up and good to go. Organization and where TOs are is very well placed. Um, It's an incredibly tight and clean ship at Adepticon, um, at least from our experience. And Mm. I think that there's a lot of value out there to especially people starting to start their own uh, either conventions or communities or groups or series of of gameplay uh, weekends or tournaments and the like. Uh, and some of the, I guess, what do they call it best practices of of running an event and what you should be focusing on. So, if you had to give advice to someone that is just starting out, they're the, the the team champion for MCP or shatterpoint at their LGS and they're trying to get people involved and into it and they want to start running some bigger and bigger stuff, what are kind of some of the things that should really be in the back of their head as they're first starting out? And then after that, we'll get into when you first have that, uh, you have 16 people, finally, you're working on that. What are the next steps that you should really kind of be focusing on as far as either building up terrain or tables or event space or having good TOs and good organizers and other community members and stuff out there? What's the what's the best path to build, you know, literally just all of that?
1: In my experience, it's when you're starting out, it's very important not to get discouraged. If you have an event that it only gets four or five people, that's still four or five people that came out to play in an event that you're putting on. And it's important not to get discouraged and make sure those four or five people that, ca- that come, or even if it's three people, make sure they have a good time and that when they go back to wherever their play group is or, or wherever they're from, that they're like, hey, we went to this, this event, this person ran it, and it was a great time. You should come with us next time. And just understand that, that these sort of things don't happen overnight. Um, to build a community where you can get a consistent 16 people for an event is tough. And it's all the organizers out there that have done it, have done a great service to their community and, and done a lot of work, to be honest. Um, To provide that much terrain and an experience people to where people will want to come back and do do that. That's very, very important. Um, all the other stuff is, is pretty, uh, when you're starting out, is pretty self-explanatory. Make sure you have correct mats. Make sure you have some terrain. You know, even, even when you're at that level, you can source terrain from players. Hey, could you bring a table? But make sure it's there. Make sure they're not playing on very sparse tables, uh, things like that. So they have a good experience when they're there.
0: All right, great. And as far as um, and maybe some people out there don't necessarily know what sourcing tables is, um, which is normally just asking a player base or maybe some attendees if they have a table of terrain uh, to bring it. So you can kind of flesh out what's at whatever event site or LGS that you have.
1: Correct. Uh, And. Oh, go ahead, go go for it. Oh, um, so sourcing tables like, yeah, you either ask uh, attendees or communities out there. Hey, I'm running an X person event. I need X number of tables for it. Is there any way I could borrow this for 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 uh for my upcoming event? And mini- the miniatures community is usually pretty great about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I know like the uh the Infinity community, Infinity if you've ever played it is an incredibly uh dense uh has an incredibly dense terrain requirement. Yes. So yeah. when these uh, infinity players go to events around the united states they will usually bring a table or three with them and they will kind of put them all together to have that experience and i and most miniature gamers are very cool about that they will lend terrain and stuff like that to anybody that needs it um as long as it doesn't come back damaged and if it if something does get damaged always offer to repair it paint it you know things like that make sure that you're taking care of the people who have enabled you to to be able to run the event one thing you can also do that i've had good luck with is sometimes go to store owners and if they have some stock that's been sitting around they may be able to cut you a little bit of a deal Mm -hmm. Uh, if you get Mm -hmm. the paint it and keep it at the store for play and you're kind of killing two birds with one stone at that point you have new terrain but you also don't have to cart it back and forth places it's now at the store where you play and you're able to utilize it there as well
0: I think that's actually a great tip just from my own personal experience seeing usually what is at a game store is something that either one of the owners or something like that just like is like, hey, you know, we need this It's just in sitting here. I might as well crack it. I just don't have the time or or energy to to paint it and put it together. And honestly, just a huge shout out to any uh, LGS store owner that does 8000 different things and manages multiple communities and learns all the rules from many systems uh so just a huge shout out to to those people cuz they they provide a massive service to um to gaming and and tabletop uh, as as a whole so when you do think about going to like Amazon or something like that or over an LGS just understand that like Amazon is not going to help you build a community and have a a league night or an open play night or give you a table with a mat and some terrain just ready to go so you can play um
1: so yeah and even if even if you're you're because i hear it a lot people talk about how they don't have a local lgs so they'll order off amazon i would always tell those people to explore options like bearded dragon they have an online sales site Mm -hmm. and they usually give some sort of discount from what i understand like with your with the professional casual code and stuff like that
0: pcme 10 10 percent off your orders exactly
1: and you can support a a local game store that's there to help build a community even if it's not necessarily yours.
0: And uh, a few weeks ago on the Hobby Hangout, uh, Dallas Kemp uh, from AMG was on. And one of the really cool bits that he was talking about is when he first started getting into mini wargaming uh, and and just miniatures as a whole, there wasn't a local game store. So it was usually just kind of crashing somebody else's like night that they would play Warhammer or something at their house. And that was like, that was it. But Mm -hmm. you build that community on a long enough timeline. Eventually an LGS should come around or you just start your own. But that's, you know, it is a struggle out there. If if the best you have is meeting at, you know, a church in Nashville uh, because there's no LGS or uh, somebody's basement, somebody's house, somebody's garage. Like, I, I can't tell you how important it is to have those community members that are willing to share their own personal space to allow that type of gaming to happen because it's absolutely vital to the hobby. So, yeah, if you don't have an LGS, just, you know, get a shed game shed in <laughs> a shed, call it the game shed. It'll be fine, like it'll be good, but I actually think that there's a i think there's an l g s somewhat around here that is that it's just like a pole barn that someone had. they bought a farm it was there, no l g s around, so they were just set up a bunch of tables, and they're like, yeah, every Friday night, just come over, we'll have a bonfire and we'll play some games, and it just kind of grew into its own small community, which just sounds dope as heck, honestly
1: that sounds awesome yeah, that sounds super cool
0: um. Now, another thankless uh, member kind of of the con circuit and of game stores and community as a whole is the the faithful TO, the tournament organizer or tournament official, mm-hmm. depending on, on who you ask. Um, now, at Adepticon, uh, Tisdale, you kind of, I don't know if manage is the correct word and probably isn't, but uh, you help facilitate a number of TOs. Um, to be in the right space at the right time and to make sure that the event goes off and the the um, attendee has a great experience. Tell me about something you look for in somebody that is a good skill set uh, to be a TO or things that someone could work on if they really wanted to develop um, kind of that role in, in the the larger community.
1: It's going to sound... A bit cliche but someone who is willing to put in a day of hard work and and understand that there may not be uh that that satisfaction has to come from understanding that the attendees had a great time because a lot of this stuff is volunteer work it's uh, you know it is kind of thankless at the end of the day but if you have people that are willing to say okay I'm going to put forth the effort to help grow a community and make sure these attendees have a great experience. That is the most important thing overall. Everything else can pretty much be taught. Um, I, at Adepticon, we've been very, very fortunate. The MCP staff at this point is uh, Nate GG of the Gamers Guild, Tim Simpson, Charles Murray. And Brian Watson and all those guys are extremely hardworking. they're all very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, they are able to run any of those guys could run an event with no problem. and we are actually incredibly fortunate to have four talented team
0: members like that and kind of a power team to be fair <laughs> yeah. what's that It's kind of a power team, honestly
1: I would put that team up against any other any other to staff in in the in the circuit i guess you could say yeah um they are all incredibly talented and they are all when they show up to events willing to work as hard as they can to make sure the attendees have a great experience uh and one of the things that a lot of people don't see is the the tear down afterwards all those guys were there tearing down adepticon at the end until that hall was cleared out because on Sunday that whole hall has to get cleared out.
3: Yeah. all
1: um, oh, that train's got to go somewhere. Yeah. It goes back out of totes loaded on semis and it's all got to get done that night. And all those guys on that team stayed until the bitter end, um, which is something that's incredibly appreciated. I, I, I cannot state how, how appreciated that is from those yeah. four guys. You were, they were all fantastic. Um, and like I said, Adepticon is very lucky to have people like that.
0: Well, and to just think about number one, the long day that they have, right. Cause they're there before the event starts. So they're there before anyone else they're there after, you know, finishing and cleaning up and resetting for the next day or staying several hours past to, mm-hmm. to tear down and stack chairs, tables, terrain, totes, and loading. Like it's, it's a lot. And this is uh, honestly, uh, not only is it a sacrifice a lot of times of their time, but they don't get to play, right? They don't get to have as much fun as everyone else. So the fact that there are people out there in the community that are so willing to do that, especially year after year, and to continue to do that, uh, just make sure you thank these people. Because they they do a lot to put on a great show, um, and they are there well after everything has has completed. While everyone else is out having dinner and having a good time, they're doing a a meeting at the end of the day to see how things went. They're correcting problems. They're addressing things. They're creating solutions and making sure that tomorrow is better and brighter and that uh, everything gets back to where it needs to be. It's it's an incredible job that they do and requires a lot of hard work.
1: Yeah, just Tim, Nate, Charles, and Brian would show up about 730 when the hall first opened, Mm -hmm. 30 minutes before registration would start. And they would be there until 8.30, 9 o'clock every night on that incredibly forgiving floor that is in that hall. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they never complained. They were there from setup to teardown, And like I said, those, guys, those four guys gave it their all. And it really showed in the quality of experience we were able to give to the attendees at Adepticon.
0: Um, I have been fortunate enough to go to events that, that Brian Watson has to and also Nate GG, And I can say that, you know, they they do a heck of a job. I haven't had the opportunity yet to to go to an event that Tim has run, um, or Charles, but it's uh I, I gotta say it's a it's a it's a crack team of very good people that actually care about the game. They care about the community, and uh, you know, they put in the work to to make that show. So really appreciate every single one of them. Um it had a follow-up that i completely forgot but in lieu of that i would like to ask you a question okay that question is the what if event was a great event at adopt for mcp as uh and i'm like That's literally cool. looking at it i'm looking right next to me and actually my my hands are, if you're watching the video, are going right to the thing I was looking at. Uh, the What If event. This is one of my favorite formats. It was uh, a hyper-focus of mine the first year we went to Adepticon because I was yeah. so over the moon with it. Um, we've run uh, a couple ourselves uh, to great fun um, and other cons, and now it's officially on the roster. Is it, Was that for Gen Con, uh, the mm-hmm. What If event? So, I mean... Yep. As far as a, a, a non-traditional format, number one being just Doper Magopers as a whole, uh, that's f- official, by the way, the, the official Doper Magoper seal on, on the What If event. But um, this was something, obviously, a, a collaboration of, I'm assuming a handful of people, but I know that you and Hank were, were pretty heavily involved in that. Can you tell me a little about what, had you tried out other formats when you were looking for that Friday format or that Thursday format um, first? And did it lead to what if, or was what if, or that style of format, uh, kind of the clear vision from the start. And for those of you unfamiliar, uh, what if is a, a snake draft uh, format where there's only one of every model. Everyone shows up with just crisis and tactics cards. And there is like a fantasy football draft where you have player one picking a model. The first model that they pick that is an affiliation leader is there, a, affiliation leader for the entire event and any character they draft after that will be automatically part of that affiliation, not just for making affiliation in their squad, but also for tactics cards. So a Black Panther led Wakanda list that includes Rocket and Groot has Rocket and Groot being able to take advantage of um, Vibranium shielding or Wakanda forever. For instance, there's a bunch of really neat kind of not rule breaking, but things that circumvent the standard things that you can do in the game which makes it very fun and interesting and gives you the ability to find kind of really neat matchups and pairings and combos and stuff that are either just really funny um or just a ton of fun
1: so i believe uh adepticon was one of the only conventions that got hit twice by COVID. we had to cancel for two years and it was kind of heartbreaking and very demoralizing um because so much effort goes in and during those COVID years We were ramping up every year to go into Adepticon only to have it kind of canceled, you know, in the, well, in 2020, it was canceled, I think less than a month out. I was going to say, so I kind of just realized that. Yeah. And then in 2021, we didn't, I don't think we found out until maybe January, we couldn't have it. And I think that's when we canceled it. I could be wrong on the mm-hmm. dates, but coming out of that, we we wanted, and this was the first time MCP was going to be at Adepticon. So when we sat down and we started putting together a schedule, there was nothing out there really for MCP that was that uh, was not your standard kind of event. Um, this was before the Challenger document, so it was kind of like everyone just brings their ten models and they play. Hank sat down and he kind of came up with. The what if format of let's do a snake draft, and then you can kind of put Thanos as the leader of the defenders if you wanted and see what happens, you know, if you paired these models that you normally wouldn't get to pair and benefit from those affiliations. Um, so so Hank kind of came up with the whole thing, and he I named it because I knew the line of comics, I knew that the what if comic was. Uh, kind of a cool crossover comic and I was like oh if we just name it this it kind of fits with the theme and everything and it, it feels feels kind of you know in, in theme for it yeah
2: it's really comic booky in a good way like mm-hmm. you said naming it like the the name perfectly fits it I I, I feel like gamers love the whole draft thing anyway because it's kind of like I don't know exactly what I'm gonna get but I have an idea and uh, I just think what if is just, you know, chef's kiss there. It's so good and it's so on brand, if, for especially for Marvel with the whole what if idea. Uh, was it like the the that summer too, the what if show came out as well? So it was like,
1: you know, you nailed it. I thought it was before that. I thought this what if uh, show came out in summer 2020 and we can't or or no uh summer 2022 i thought maybe i could be wrong uh but i i I knew the line of comics i didn't i i still haven't watched the what if show so i i'm not aware of of that like i know it exists but i've never seen
0: it it did come out Uh, that following year in in august so i'm not trying to like to what if at adepticon's own horn but (laughs) but they did it first We, we were first you were first and, Perfect. you know, we'll take massive spoiler, but Thanos Guardians also probably ripped off from MCP instead of uh, the other way around. Right? You know? Yep. And we had, we
1: had uh so that year we were very shallow on staff too for MCP. Um we had Tim and we had Charles, and so we ran everything kind of by those two to see what they thought and kind of hashed it all out and put it together. Uh, ahead of time and kind of just hoped it worked because on paper it looked very very interesting and we were happy with the rule set but we were uncertain if it was going to actually come together when the event uh, took off and then we got nothing but fantastic feedback once once it went off and people were wanting into it this past year so we ran two of them this past year
0: now, were there any changes or or early ideas in the 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 early concept of what if that changed, or maybe a different um mechanic or something that was involved that it n- that no longer is? Any like super okay. deep cut hidden stuff in there?
1: In the first draft, you could draft any number of leaders and change it every turn. So if you were running three leaders on the table, you could say this turn I'm doing, uh. I got Steve on the table. I'm doing Avengers this turn. Oh, next turn I'm going to do Brotherhood with Mystique. Um, So you could you had some options there. We Ooh.
0: quickly realized that sounds like that, a massive headache.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, like it, I still think it's cool. Like, yeah. It's it would be a lot of fun to play, but it's it would be very confusing every turn to change that. So we decided to okay, the first leader you draft, that's your affiliation, and it also prevents people from trying to hate draft a bunch of leaders, yeah. everybody kind of gets out at one. So I know there's some that people in the community feel that are, that play way more than I do, that are, that are not great and things like that gives everybody a chance to get something that they think is interesting and fun.
0: Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Um, and I could just see all of the incredibly abundant rules questions of, well, I was playing Mystique turn two and I put my token on this objective, but now I'm playing uh, Midnight Suns for turn three. So does that token go away? And well, everyone was Dark Dimension last turn because Dormammu was my leader. But now are they all Hellfire Club? Right. You know, I yeah. So, yeah, uh, I could, yeah, I could see that.
2: Um, I think one of my favorite parts of, of this format is when you have it all arrayed out for the draft. When, you know, at this point, we're at like 150, 160 models, something like that. All out with their cards. It just looks, I don't know. It's, it's like, that's the whole game right there. That's amazing. It looks great. And yeah, it's pick a them cool up And spectacle. you're like, this is mine
0: now. Uh, what's harder to source? Models for what if or terrain? For tables to be full for a what if event specifically
1: uh this past year it was models for what if the first year i had every model fully painted um and this past year there were a number of things that happened in my life personally where i kind of dropped the ball and i wasn't able to stay on top of things and we had to source some of the models this year uh but the first year it was my entire collection which was kind of cool for me to see out there. It was every model in the game painted at, the, at that time. Um, but hopefully for next year, I will be caught up and we will, we won't have to source any of it, but thankfully the terrain we we've done has uh, that's been easy because we've, we, we make it and it's not perishable. So it stays good. Um, so I, the models were the toughest part this year
0: and i want to thank you guys because you guys helped us out quite a bit there so and that's uh, speaking of so that makes me a little disappointed that you might not need to source models next year because i will say it was fantastic to have the tim france ancient one on a table <laughs> that ended up being on a stream uh so that so I, I yeah i could see why um first year it was so cool to have all of your models out there and be able to be seen because yeah watching People play with a couple of my absolute meme models um was uh was 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 very heartwarming um but and i think we, that's, can, throw, we
1: can throw a couple of years in there next year right, if you want beautiful.
0: to That uh uh iron fist on rollerblades too is just oh i i just i want so many people to appreciate that model and taylor's uh lisa frank trapper keeper malekith on the rainbow tiger uh <laughs> with a tiger king uh
3: uh Joe oh, Exotic, exotic
0: uh, right. writing it was just like ah just perfectly top notch did that did that As end with on stream, i think it did end up on one uh, on stream at one point i'm not positive or if it, i think it was in a roster that was on a stream game but did not get taken if i recall okay but um yeah that was a absolute, was a
1: very striking model on camera
0: it it very much is um <laughs> and I think just as far as stuff out there, so if you are a person or maybe you know someone that's very into MCP that is one of those people that have been playing it from the start, they've collected every model, they have them all painted. uh, What if events are very, very, very incredibly impactful and friendly first time events for people? They do not, for the most part, need to bring any models or anything like that. Uh, Crisis cards are pretty abundant and they can be printed out. Um, and EMG has released those in PDF form as well, so you can just like get them. Um, and maybe at worst, picking up a uh, the the 2021 tactics card box 2022, it was 2022. Um, with the update and all the up, gives you a bunch of character cards as well as a bunch of tactics cards as well. Uh, that's a really solid base. Um, So even having one of those, like as price support for what if event, if you're trying to get new players in is a really, really cool way to do it. Uh, The only thing really required is that one dude that has a ton of models that are painted and ready to go and is willing to share them. And if you've been playing MCP for any amount of time, uh, chances are you may hopefully know someone like that. And if not, get your LGS behind it and they can start running events and build a store set of everything. And that goes a long way to bring new people in.
1: If you're running What If at a local event, maybe they don't all need to be painted either. Adeptcon does have a, a convention wide rule that every model has to be painted. So that's kind of unique to us. But if you're running a local one, maybe, maybe not everyone needs painted. So if you have a guy that maybe hasn't painted them all, but owns them all, you can still run it.
0: And it doesn't need to be, I guess, every, and to, I guess, further jump off of that, it doesn't need to be every model either. Um, Correct. Because yeah. I think uh, year one for the What If event, People had eight models, I think, after the draft, if memory serves.
1: I believe so, yes. Um, yeah, and we, I think we, we do so many seven this past year.
0: So, hmm? so, I mean, you don't even need seven, you know, ten models per player. I mean, if you're looking to get a handful of people, I think it's a great opener event. I think it's a great soft um, entry into MCP. let you just show off a bunch of cool stuff because everyone loves powers and affiliation abilities, and this kind of removes some of the restrictions around them. So it's a very easy end for a new player. So I'd highly recommend running a what if now on adepticon.org, they can find the rules packet for what if, if someone did want to run their own, correct? Yeah, all of
1: our rules are out there under event rules. You just search for Marvel crisis protocol there. They're all out there. Everything we use at adepticon rules wise is there. So whether it's the, what if the affiliation battle or the doubles, the uh, team up event, they are all out there and you can you can use them and run any events you have locally. And if you have any any suggestions, you can drop a depth on a line. If you run it and you see something that needs corrected, let us know and we'll we'll put it into if it's something we can use, we'll put it into the rule packet for next year.
0: Now, to flip gears oh. just a little bit, um, maybe, you know, so we've talked about. What you should kind of maybe be looking at if you're trying to build a community, some events to bring new people in to further build that community. For someone that wants a TO but doesn't feel like they know the rules well enough, I think there's a lot of maybe not misconceptions, but misplaced anxiety over like, oh, my God, I'm going to need to be like, I'm going to need to know every rule. I'm going to know every need to know every little thing. Um, In my experience, a lot of what judge calls are end up being. Do I actually have line of sight on this? Is this actually within range four? Can you just tell me so we don't bump things around? Um, Obviously there's a lot more involved, but can you demystify a little bit some of the barriers that people might put in their own mind before they want a TO and some of maybe the worst experiences, best experiences or common experiences that you've had as a, a TO of, you know quite frankly, some rather large MCP events?
1: I mean the thing is no matter how prepared you are there's going to be a situation come up that you're going to have to bust out the rule book or the the forums or something to check on there's a lot of interactions with this game that are kind of unique that you may never see so know the rule book front and back if you can it's pretty simple it's pretty short Everything else you can kind of make a judgment call off of, and there are some great resources like the rules forums where you can search for certain things. Don't be afraid to say you don't know, but you're gonna check. Players will players generally have no problem with that if it's a rules call, and I've done it multiple times. You know, uh, we have got obviously guys like Nate, Tim, Charles, and Brian don't have to do that nearly as much because they are so up on the rules, but I've had to look at players and say, give me one second. I'm going to check that. Like, this is what I think, but I'm going to check that. And to be honest, I'm right. Most of the time, Mm -hmm. my instinct was correct, but the players appreciate it by you just taking the extra minute or two to go confirm that no players. I've never encountered a player that's going to have a problem with the judge saying, I don't know. Let me check for sure
0: and just a shout out to the rules forums really quick uh thoris and yeah. gold are just doing an incredible job with that uh odds are if you're if you have a rules question about a character that's not been released in the last four minutes chances are there's a resource there somewhere um and amg just very specifically has done a very good job at breaking down the order of operations about how the turn works and when certain types of effects and uh categories of effects happen and in what order. Um, that honestly, once I understood that logic behind it, of the, well, modifying your opponent's dice is always the last step, or the first step of the cleanup phase is always scoring. So if there's an effect that would move an objective during the cleanup phase, it's already been scored, so it's not gonna affect this. Um, that order of operations, I think, is a really solid highlight that um, a lot of people might not really even notice or appreciate, um, but in both Shatterpoint and MCP, it is very clear, and it makes it usually very nice so that when a rules call is made, you can go back to that order of operations and be like, "Oh, yep, you know it does happen right here. that makes sense, And you can kind of understand why some of those niche rules do in fact work the way they did because they've made a very clear framework for it.
1: Yeah, I should have emphasized that a little bit more. you're right on that. I, it is in the, that part is in the rule book, and that is very important to have down because you can answer. 95 percent of questions based on that Mm -hmm. if you understand what happens when you're going to be able to
0: answer a lot of questions i forget the exact page but if you're uh this is the first time you're hearing that especially about mcp in the rule book there's this list about how the turn order goes and and when certain effects happen and it's honestly beautiful (laughs) as far (laughs) as understanding (laughs) the game is it in one of the appendixes in and the back? I think it might be. Yeah,
1: I think the whole list is there. You can go and just kind of memorize it. And once you have that down, like I said, that's 95 percent of the the questions you'll get at an event. Mm-hmm.
0: Especially for things like I think common questions that I see on the forums or, or just on Facebook or, or what have you is like these both both of these effects happen at the same time. Which one happens first? And it's a very simple, nice answer. A lot of times it's like, well, if both effects are yours, you choose whatever order you want them to happen in. And that's a very nice uh, categorical uh, thing to be able to supply somebody with. It's like, oh, oh, there's usually that realization afterwards, too, where it's like, oh, I can actually do this. This doesn't this rule actually doesn't limit. It opens up the things I can do with different effects happening at the same time. and it's kind of one of those very nice, like broad base, high-ceiling uh, effects of the game as a whole. Now, when you do get to play, which is a rarity, especially for for someone that that does, a, you know, a pretty considerable portion for the community, what do you like to play?
1: I mean, come on, there's only one answer.
0: I yeah, so I knew the answer, but. I'm assuming yeah, it's, it's heavy, brotherhood Purple, yeah.
1: <laughs> or I guess brotherhood technically, but it's Magneto.
0: Okay. So <laughs> now do you ever throw in mystique as a leader on some, uh, some heavy objectives, like some ambush tokens or something, or is it really just Magneto all the time?
1: No, it's just Magneto. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the thing I love about Magneto is that he's got fans and it's like fans of Magneto are like only fans of Magneto. And I don't think that's a bad
0: thing. (laughs) I don't either. I think it's actually super fitting as a huge Magneto fan myself. uh, Yeah, I agree.
1: Well, I grew up in the like, I started reading comic books in the 90s. I was a kid in the 90s. So there's so many cool Magneto stories that came out about that time. Yeah, absolutely. His story was just so interesting to me. So growing up in that time where like age of apocalypse happened and stuff like that, where he became the leader of the X-Men and you could tell that while he is a villain, he's not a traditional villain. There were there, he's a deeply layered character. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it was very very interesting, and I enjoyed reading about him and learning about him. And I just putting him on the table in MCP. He's. I know this is probably going to trigger some people.
0: But I don't think Doctor D's told- listening. We've already mentioned Infinity, and I meant to mention this before uh, <laughs> when you mentioned Infinity. But uh, part of the network, uh, Dylan Dyer, Doctor D does an infinity podcast called Arachne. Uh, that's actually did an episode very recently about event running, uh, which inspired trying to do this episode. Uh, and when Tisdale was mentioning that they have very dense terrain game boards, they do. I checked out the infinity event at Ironwell this year, and I got to say the community and the vibe in the infinity room is very similar to MCP and very mm. different than a lot of the other rooms at a lot of these conventions where, Particular, very competitive games lead to very competitive, not super fun and jovial rooms to walk into. And Infinity has a vibe very similar to MCP, where people are laughing. Their stuff is painted gorgeously. It's a smaller model game, so you can spend more time on the characters you care about. And the terrain, honestly, just looks rad as heck. It looks like a 90s-like roller skate rink. As far as like just (laughs) neons and colors all over the place, I I really dug it. So just sorry. Quick aside.
1: Oh, no, I like I said, this may trigger some people, but I believe Magneto is one of the most. I think he's one of the most points balanced for what he is in the comics characters in the game. He is an extremely powerful character and he's a six point character. I mean, he's he's an omega level threat. But he's, you know, he's vulnerable in the game, but he is incredibly powerful when you put him on the table. So it really it really kind of feels in theme when you play him Mm -hmm. uh, in MCP.
0: I don't really disagree with that. And very similarly, Magneto as a whole and his writing in the 90s and early 2000s X-Men comics, like. Developed the characters that I look for in media whether it's books tv movies comics what have you where because magneto is such a layered character that you can identify with in some aspects but can't condone in others um if there's just a villain out there that's just bad to be bad like i get just bored out of my mind i like i need morally gray villains and to the lesser extent morally gray heroes just because you know at the end of the day everyone's human unless you're you know a mutant or whatever but like I don't know. There needs to be more Captain America or Captain America Uh, Not morally gray. uh, He's not. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Listen, we're at, we're at minute 56. There's simply not time, but at another (laughs) point uh, I will go down a slope. I don't think I'm going to be able to convince you in any way, shape or form, but I have been able to convince weaker minded people before. Um, but yeah I, I think uh the way magneto has been done leads to incredible has has made me really appreciate really well scripted and created and written uh and I even hesitate to say even the word villain uh because they're they're just a differencing of opinions with a different state of the game um. And I think that, especially in a lot of the what if stuff or alternate universe stuff, like you see Magneto doing what he would have done, but in a different light with a different set of circumstances it comes out in a very different way. And those are the, the stories that I really, really, really enjoy. It's like, oh, but what if these two things had gone right for him and, it, you know, completely changed the narrative? I, I just really dig that stuff. But I think Magneto and Brotherhood in general was something I played a lot of when they first came out. And it's a it's a target rich environment out there. If you're a big Marvel fan, as far as like affiliations to play, characters to play, never would have thought we would have had a Gwenpool, um, who I just am over the moon with in general. Uh, Same with uh, MODOK. Didn't didn't understand how much I was going to dig MODOK in game, especially with Scientist Supreme. And to give me an appreciation retroactively for Modoc and the comics and some of the other media as well. Um, yeah. If you've ever been a comics fan and even if you aren't a comics fan, I did a, a training or a demo game with someone a couple of weeks ago. They were like, I've seen MCP. I've seen, you know, that people are playing it and stuff. I, I'm just not comic book people, so I don't care. Gave them a demo game anyway. And they're like. Yeah, I still don't care about comics, but like. I really this like, game. I really like throwing terrain and people. Like, so did you let him play? Magneto? Everybody does. I didn't. So they, they, you know, they very specifically <laughs> were like, I was like, what? I don't of... know if you know this, but he throws terrain real well. That's that's very true. He doesn't throw people though. He doesn't give the full experience. Once he KOs him, he throws him off the table. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were very much into street level. Characters. They were like, well, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I can play characters like Luke Cage or Daredevil, uh, Punisher um, against, you know, Magneto or Spider-Man or the Avengers or the Hulk. And it's like, yeah, and it's viable. There's really not that's not much that's not viable in this game. Outside of Apocalypse,
1: one of my one of my only big wishes for MCP to, that I want to see is a Daredevil leader for Defenders. So, I can play the Defender yeah. street level version. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And even when you're saying there are very
2: few things that aren't viable, like really, it's only they're not viable at the highest competitive
0: levels. Like, I think everybody's viable at, in casual play. Savage, I'm so glad you're in chat right now because I was about to mention specifically you, and then just like a beacon of light, <laughs> you came out of the, the darkness. Um, unaffiliated even being rather viable. So at ACO, uh, Andrew Savage was running. He's like, you know what? I want to be one of the top players for unaffiliated. It's a category on Longshanks. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and when you can just play any character unrestricted, I think I was talking to him at one point and he was like, yeah, it's weird to just be able to play whoever I want. That actually makes it harder because now I have to narrow it down between characters that I think that can perform and characters that I just never get to play. So I want to play Um, and unaffiliated is in fact viable in a lot of situations Uh, really all you're losing at the end of the day is maybe a tactics card or two and the affiliation ability and quite frankly some of them out there there's great characters with subpar affiliation abilities where you probably weren't going to use the affiliation ability anyway just full send it and that's the cool thing about being able to splash characters in affiliation in this game is that uh, there's really like Winterguard can have a Hulk in it Winter Guard can have a Malekith, uh, Midnight Suns. Even though it's underwhelming at times, could you know throw a Magneto in if they really wanted to, and and Midnight Suns hop them around. Heck, if it's one if, you know what it I mean. Just sounds really good, right? <laughs> um, and I think that's one of the things that is very um, appealing about MCP as a whole is compared to other, like you know, just to throw it out there, like Warhammer, right? If you're not playing uh, your your particular army with battle line with all of the things that makes that army even be able to be on the board you you cannot throw tyranids with some sigmarines with a dark eldar and a uh, a knight in the back you just can't do it. that is in fact viable in mcp and that's once again official stamp doper Magopers. Mm. all right so yeah,
1: if- if you want to play if you want to play punisher and cyclops and daredevil on the same team feel free
0: that's very valid. Very valid. I love Cyclops so much.
1: Cyclops um, is valid. Come
0: on, Tim. <laughs> wow. The fact that mm-hmm. high evolution. So here's the thing. And maybe you'll appreciate this. I'm going <laughs> to bring this around. Man? I'm going to turn you around on this bad boy. All right. Never, never cared about Cyclops. Surprising you didn't either because he's a Boy Scout and you like that, that type. But the thing that really brought me around on Cyclops was Avengers versus X-Men, where he was like, you know what? Chuck was wrong. And Magneto was probably right, but he went about it the wrong way, and kind of blended those two paths, and was significantly more Magneto leading, and was like, "Yeah, this is the correct. Yep, this was right. Both of you. This, yep, you just should have uh, blended it up in a smoothie together. You would have been fine."
1: The big problem with Cyclops is generally his writing. It's kind of boring yes. a lot of times, um, but when he's done right, he's a very, very interesting character. In X Men versus yes. Avengers, he really was.
0: And right after too, that just whole like sl- not sleeper cell, but like. Hidden X-Men group teleporting around, trying to find new mutants before the X-Men could recruit them was just this awesome like cat and mouse play with two people once again that are both good, uh, but maybe morbly ambiguous sometimes both going for different but the same goal. And I just I love that type of storytelling.
2: We got gold balls out of that run. (sighs)
0: Yeah, we did. Yes, we did. Oh, what's he called now? Egg. Egg. How? Here's the thing. (laughs) I balls, a way better name. Yeah. That's I I bet way, way, way. Somewhere at Marvel, there was this pool. It's like, all right. But like gold balls is the worst name. Right. That name couldn't be made any worse. And then one dude was just like, I can do better than that. I can do better (laughs) than that. I can make that character have an even worse name than he already does. But they did it. They figured it out. They, they, yay! they did it. But I think unless you have anything else to go out on Mr. Tisdale or Mr. Dan don't get eliminated. That's actually great advice. <laughs> <laughs> but that Not to top that one. That that will bring us to a close today as always uh if you're watching the show live this is your last opportunity. Tomorrow also might be your last opportunity some might say to enter our Shatterpoint core box giveaway. Not only is this a core box, it's my personal core box that I pre-ordered using code PCME10 at checkout at beardedragongames.online. Um it's it's my own set and i'm giving it away so head over to professionalcasual.com, sign up for that it is free to enter you can enter a multiple amount of times as well beautiful thank you dan um and uh that ends tomorrow the end of the month we'll do the drawing july 1st uh and we will ship that out to whoever ends up winning that next month and actually if you head over to professionalcasual.com, next month's giveaway is already up it is for the padawan ahsoka model that was a bonus if you were one within one of the hand, first handful of people to, to pre-order the, the core box, giving away that as well. That'll be July's giveaway, so you'll be able to sign up for that in the same place you signed up for this current one. It'll be a different link, but if you head to professionalcasual.com slash one Ahsoka, please, you'll be able to sign up for the Padawan Ahsoka giveaway. In addition Just to all week. that... <laughs> The, the Discord is free to join. We would love to have you there. Hang out with us. We do a number of things across the network, including Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, Actual Plays, and a grim podcast, A Perilous Adventure, and Settling the Southlands, which is on the Patreon. We also have Pathfinder 2nd Edition Actual Play Podcast in the Lost Omens Podcast, as well as The Slithering, which is on the Patreon. And... Comic Book Rundown with Joe Gennaro and Ron Haynes. They dive into comic books from this year and before. Uh, Marvel, DC, Image, Indie, things from all over the place. And they go through Mm -hmm. issue by issue, usually doing small arcs, encapsulating the whole story. I defy you to check out the Comic Book Rundown and find some comic that you aren't interested in and haven't gotten around to yet. We also have Arachne Mondays. Dr. D, it's an infinity podcast, another mini's game. Uh, Dr. D is incredibly um, talented with words. A huge Magneto fan. Incredibly talented with words as well, specifically in ones that make me personally laugh. So I have not had more fun listening to a podcast about a game I don't play than in Arachne. Um, as well as Dr. D's blogs over at ProfessionalCasual.com, where he teaches you how to paint better and to set reasonable goals uh, that you can achieve both in play, in running events, and in painting as a whole. So if you are into the worthy AMG's painting competition that happens only at Adepticon, uh, it is all about being on your own path and improving yourself, not anyone else, year after year as you go back to it. And Dr. D has written some great articles about starting that path and getting on it and making it manageable. So I'd highly recommend checking those out. Uh, in addition to all that, professionalcasual.com, you can get podcasts a week early over at the Patreon, patreon.com slash professionalcasual. A massive thank you to our King D Doppeldongers and our professional cake sitters, including but not limited to uh, Mr. Tisdale, Charles, uh, X-Paxis, Rob, Devil Pup, Dagna, has Been a hot minute since I've done this. Otis, Leroy, uh,
3: Iron Maze, drinker.
0: Wizard Skills, Whiskey Chugger. Um, who else? That's 12. What else I got? I said Otis, right? Anthony. Oh, Tony Hot Hands. I think there's one more. And that is viewers like you. Thank you so much, everybody. (laughs) We stream every day here on Twitch. Hobby Hangout Monday. Then I play games Tuesday through Friday. We also do live Marvel Crisis Protocol and Shatterpoint, usually Tuesday nights, as well as this right here. Wait till I rule a while. Do you want to check it out live? Well, guess what? It's Thursday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much to Tisdale for joining us this evening and Dan as well. Um, And we hope to see you at the next Adepticon showing up to see if Tim France, the ancient one, will be in the what-if draft. Guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Love you all. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, check out all the other great shows here at the Professional Casual Network.
3: Like what, Danny? I'll tell you. On Mondays, we've got the Lost Omens podcast, our Pathfinder 2E actual play, hosted by me, playing through the Extinction Curse AP. Also. Streaming on Twitch.tv slash Professional Casual Network at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, you can check out, oh yeah, The Power Phase, our Marvel Crisis Protocol live battle report show. On Tuesdays, the podcast version of, wait, did I roll a wild? Our Marvel Crisis Protocol vlog is available. On Wednesdays, alternating releases on the Patreon, we have Settling the Southlands, our homebrew Wolforp actual play, and The Slithering, a Pathfinder second edition actual play. And on Thursdays, live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch.tv slash Professional Casual Network, we've got, wait, did I roll a wild, our Marvel Crisis Protocol Povlog.
0: You can also check out back episodes of Elite Eight Showdown and the first 39 episodes of the Lost Omens podcast, the first 24 episodes of Settling the Southlands, and the first handful of episodes of The Slithering on the YouTube at YouTube.com slash The Professional Casual.